This is Food First Michigan on 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. Vision is often described as a picture of a better tomorrow. Visions for the future are normally big, like a concept, that are followed by ideas that are smaller and perhaps more practical in their application. Ideas serve as a roadmap on the journey to the concept that we envision for a better tomorrow. Here at Food First Michigan, we talk about try, learn, fail, repeat, and mix in a bit of success followed by more trying and learning until eventually we know enough to implement and measure our impact. The key to this process, said Sir Winston Churchill, is to go from one failure to the next without any loss of enthusiasm. Churchill saw two visions before him. One was that of tyranny and oppression, and the other was of liberty and freedom. And which vision inspired him more? Well, the answer is, they both did. The huge task of standing strong against the external wave of momentum from Adolf Hitler threatened to knock him down, and it was immense. The huge task of withstanding against the internal negativity from his own people also took its toll. The apathy, benign assistance, and unbelief threatened his resolve almost as much as the lurid leader of Nazi Germany. Here today, Jerry and I come to you via this radio and podcast with a vision of a better tomorrow, where no one stresses about food. Yet we are confronted by the stubborn and resilient social ill of hunger and a country that lacks the political will to defeat this scourge. We see food insecurity as immoral, unacceptable, and beatable, precisely how Prime Minister Churchill viewed fascism. Jerry Brisson joins me next to remind us how valuable this work is and how noble our mission can be. You come back and be with us, too. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for being with us. Jerry Brisson here in our WJR studio. And Jerry, great to see you. Always great to see you, Doctor. And you know, it's a, I know it's going to be a good day when you start it by quoting Churchill. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a fan, that's for sure. So, Jerry, um, I, I want us to talk about, the, first of all, um, why. Why do we do this work? And here's, I'm going to throw you this and let you just dive into deep into the pool. I think one of the reasons we do this work is because food is powerful. So, not only powerful, but I actually use one of your sayings with regularity, and it's it's taking hunger off the table for the people that we serve, right? Taking hunger off the table. When you when you think about what that does for a person or a household on so many levels, it supports every other success in that person's life. It supports every other success for the children in that household if you take that problem off the table. And and I think one of the one of the most um, 
confusing things that people say is it's better to teach someone to fish uh, so that they'll be fed for their whole life than to give them a fish so that they'll be fed today. But I'll tell you, if you're too weak to hold a fishing pole, it doesn't matter if you've learned how to fish, right? The fact mm. of the matter is you can't ignore the basic needs people have today if you want any success for tomorrow. And so when people say, well, you know, this this hunger work, it, it only helps today. It, nothing ever changes. I understand why people think that, because we still have poverty today, and we had poverty yesterday, and we had poverty 100 years ago, and there's been poverty and strife since the beginning of time, right? And so if you look at it from simply that perspective, you might have the impression that nothing ever changes. But that is so not true. We have so many more people in the world today. Just that one fact of how many more people there are, Mm -hmm. you're going to see more of everything. Just because of population, right? So, so it's easy to get discouraged if you don't dig underneath what's happening in people's lives. And when you do dig underneath and learn what's happening in people's lives, you begin to understand the power of taking care of this issue. That's really the, the key to understanding is working with community seeing what they're going through, looking at what choices people have, looking at the challenges that they have, and starting to see how taking this piece of of the challenge of their life away allows them to manage the other pieces of their life with greater facility. Now, that doesn't mean it's all of the answers for all of the problems, but I don't think there is any one thing. There might not be any 10 or 15 or 100 things that are all of the solutions for all of the problems for people's lives, right? So I say start with those things you know you can do with a reasonable cost and that you've got the facility to do it and the logistics to do it and the know-how to do it. Start there because that will teach us not only how much that actually helps, but it will also relieve so much stress and pressure from people's lives immediately. Well... You, you know, in that, in that conversation right there, you really um, highlighted a couple of principles, I think, that this show has espoused over seven years. Um, one is you have to help people where they're at, not where you wish they were. Because nobody wishes that they, they and their kids were hungry. Right, without a doubt. <laughs> you know, so you got to help them where they're at. And, and, and I really like, I haven't heard you say it like this before. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to change it just a little bit. So the concept of food first supports every other success that the family can have. That's right. That's right. When you take hunger off the table, you are setting people up for success. That's Whatever why we is. that's why we call the show Food First. That's exactly right. And 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 to be real specific, if you want kids to learn and they're not hungry, they have a better chance than if they are hungry. If you want someone to successfully do new job training and then get a job and stay in that job and they're not hungry, they're going to have a way better chance of being successful in that endeavor than if they are hungry, right? And, and if you want someone to have good health outcomes and, and to, to not spend as much time in the hospital or managing a chronic disease and you, you have them be hungry or not hungry, 
it's pretty obvious that if they're not hungry, they're going to be more successful in managing their health issues. Every single issue you put in front of a person or a household and you say, would they be more likely to be successful, hungry or not hungry? There isn't a single issue that it's better to be hungry. No, <laughs> not, not a single never. one. No, right. No, and no. it seems like it's obvious. But these are the things when we talk about policy and we talk about system change and we talk about the why of this and the power of it. The most obvious power of it is one that's right in front of us. It's right in our nose and we don't see it. Yeah. Well, the other principle you talked about is all the way back to the very first show that we ever did. And and then the monologue I quoted and I've done it several times since, St. Francis, who said, start by doing what is necessary, then do what's possible, and suddenly you're doing the impossible. And that's what you're talking about. Let's do the practical stuff that we know we can do right now to take this issue off the table. Now, I will say, to, to give credit where credit is due, as a country... We have made feeding hungry people a priority in a number of significant ways. We have some significant government programs that keep people from being hungry, right? And, and some of these programs were developed back in the 1940s and, and 1950s and 1960s. So, so some of the issue isn't just spend more money. It's to look at what you're doing and asking the question, is this taking hunger off the table or isn't it? Right. So if you administer a program for which half of all the food in that program is going to waste, is it taking hunger off the table or isn't it? Well, it's half effective. Right. If you have a government program that's operating at a retail level that could operate effectively at a wholesale level, are you taking hunger off the table or aren't you? Well, you are, but maybe not at the level you could be. So it isn't just an uh, on or off switch, right? One one more. If you have a government program that is designed to reach um, kids, in this case, and the participation rate is somewhere between 12 and 14 percent of all the kids in the entire state who are eligible for this program, are you taking hunger off the table? Well, maybe for that 12 percent. But I don't know anybody who wants to invest in a program that that fails, you know, 88 percent of the time. (laughs) So it isn't it isn't it's not just an on or off switch. Right. It's looking at all the things we're doing to address this issue and and being as transparent as we can be about the effectiveness of those programs and moving to do things both more and better. And I know we've talked about more and better several times, but I think one of the questions I get all the time is, Jerry, don't we have big programs that are already taking care of hunger? Why why isn't that enough? Mm-hmm. And we have to be able to answer those questions, right? So, so even though there's a lot of power in what we do today, it could be better. It could be more powerful. We could be more effective. And we have to be that too, right? I mean, so it's a... We would be more effective if we were more efficient. That's right. So That's right. we got to take a break here, but we'll come back. We're going to continue on this topic of why do we do this work and why do we believe in it? And we're investing all of our life in it. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We're back with you. You come back and be with us.
contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here. Why do we do this work? We're talking about food is powerful. Now, I'm going to push you a direction here, so just get ready. Food is powerful for families because of four reasons. And you came up with these, so I'm going to give them to you, and then you can tell us what they mean. P- food is powerful for families for four reasons. Economic impact, stability, empowerment, and health. Why is that true? So uh, I'm going to start, actually, the, the answer with the self-sufficiency standard study that we've done twice. And the self-sufficiency standard study basically says how much does a household need to make depending on their household size and the age of their kids in order to not need any outside assistance, right? And I will say it's a very conservative model. Um, you, you still have to be a pretty, pretty sharp uh, managing your financial situation at the levels that they suggest. Having said that, though, every household has a budget and every low income household experiences the challenge of managing all of their expenses and getting to the end of the month and hoping to have any money left over. Right. And so so when you look at month and money and as you often say, doctor, people that run out of money before they run out of month are the ones that are coming to us. Right. They're coming to get help from the pantries. And so so economic the economic benefit of what we provide that's the first powerful effect right mm-hmm. is is you know every time someone visits one of our pantries they get between 60 and 70 dollars worth of food and and that 60 or 70 dollars is going to help them with their budget every month right and if someone comes twice a month they're getting between 120 and 140 dollars worth of food this is on average Right. Right. And and as long as it's food that they want and need. Right. As long as it's it's not some crazy food like pickled lemon rinds, which we do get on occasion. (laughs) um, We you know, they're going to eat they're going to eat the food that they get, the fresh vegetables and the milk and the cheese and the eggs and the the shelf stable items. Right. They're going to it's food they're going to eat. So as long as they eat it then it has a direct impact on their monthly budget. And Mm -hmm. that economic impact means they can make other choices, right? They can they can pay their rent, they can pay their utilities, they can get the medicine they need, they can get to work and back, they can put gas in their car, fix a flat tire. It's not going to solve all of their financial woes, but there is definitely an economic benefit to getting food from a pantry. At least one trade-off comes off the table. Yeah, and it may be a couple. It may, may be a couple. Maybe, but at right? least one. Uh, so that's the the first part of of the impact, the economic benefit, right? And it's the most obvious, and it's the easiest to measure, right? And then we say, well, what did it cost to to bring that sixty to seventy dollars worth of food? And there's where the magic really starts happening because it's less than twenty dollars, right? And so you start to look at, oh, for less than twenty dollars, you're giving somebody sixty to seventy dollars worth of economic impact. That's a pretty good deal, right? <laughs> Right. That's a pretty good deal. So 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 that's the first piece. Right. It's not just the economic impact to the household, but it's also the cost benefit of providing that economic impact. Right. Right. Now, when you look at a job, the numbers are way better. 
Our point of view isn't that it's better to get food at a pantry for economic benefit than to have a job, right? I mean, that no. that's hundreds of of dollars of impact for every dollar of investment, right? So, mm. so again, you got to put all this into context. But economic benefit is the first uh, the first piece. Now, when you provide that economic benefit, the next natural progression is to say that helps stabilize the household. Mm-hmm. It re- it removes stress. It removes a financial trade off. But it also provides the in, an environment where you can depend on having enough meals, right? All of that is very stabilizing. It it helps a family know, okay, we're going to be okay, yeah. right? And that stabilizing impact has more than just a financial implication, right? It It's energizing, right? So when you think about providing that stability and and that little bit of energizing that comes with it, that leads to empowerment, right? That leads to the next impact because as people are stabilized and energized, they're empowered to do the next thing they need to do, whatever that is for them in their life to be successful. So that, But it all starts with the economic impact. You make a difference on their household budget. You help them manage their their financial situation. It brings greater stability and comfort to the household, which is energizing and empowering. I'm going to say here, Jerry, that the toxic stress of living a food insecure life is reduced when food is is introduced into the home, food that people want and need. And that way we know they're going to, more than likely that food's going to be consumed. So when you talk about economic impact leads to more stability and, and energize, I like that. And I'm going to, I'm going to say it just a little different and say, I think that that level of toxic stress is removed from the home, not completely, because there are other issues, right? That, that food's not going to fix, but, but, but you're able to think now about what, what, what else can I do? Where else can I go? How can I better myself and my, on behalf of my family? And that, that leads to the principle and concept of empowerment. Right. And again, none, none of this is complete. There are some people who we help that with, with, with the groceries that they get from a pantry, that's all the help they need. Right. And they will manage the rest of everything in their life without any more help. There are other people that need everything. Right. Right. They need housing. They need food. They need mental health services there. You know, they might need substance abuse help. There's some people who need everything. Right. And in, in, the, in those cases, you can't exaggerate the impact of just food. You have to say food has got to be part of an overall plan for that person in that household for there to be any impact. Right. So between those two extremes, you have everybody. Everybody who needs help. And the point is, if you, for, if you get the, the food to, to all of those people in that spectrum, they're going to be more successful in general than if you didn't get them the food, right? So again, mm-hmm. we're talking about the broader impact as well as the individual impact, right? So the last piece is health. And there is so much research that proves that proper nourishment affects health in a positive way, right? You have less time in the hospital. You have, you have a better chance that your medications are going to work. 
you have better management of chronic disease, particularly things like diabetes, where food is directly related to the management of that chronic disease, right? And a huge number of people have it, low income, middle income, high income, right? So the fact of the matter is food is a critical component for people managing their health, so critical that we have this term food is medicine, yep. right? Now, this is another one of those obvious things. That it's like, really? We have to say this out loud? I mean, I think you are what you eat. When did we come up with that? I mean, yeah. it's it's from, I was at least a kid, and it might have been older than that, right? And if you go back literally in history, and you look at what people have written about food over time, food as medicine has been a truth, a cultural truth, that's as old as humanity, Right. So this isn't a new idea. There's sometimes I say, why are we still having to say this? <laughs> right. I mean, food is medicine. Come on. What you eat makes a huge difference in your daily life and how much energy you have and how your body heals itself. There's thing after thing after thing. And here's the great thing. The National Kidney Foundation has worked on this idea in, just for diabetes for 25 or 30 years anyway. We've seen the research. There's huge amounts of very rich, compelling research that says this is true. We just have a heck of a time trying to figure out how to pay for it. Right? How do you? Who's going to pay for food for people that are managing chronic disease? It's a tough question, but we got to find a way because we know we know that the dots are connected. There's not even a mystery about it. Well, you know, not to date you or anything, but you know, Hippocrates said, "Let food be thy medicine." And he was around in BC 370. There we go. <laughs> so there we go. Just, you know, he you, was prob a good you probably heard him say Yeah, that. yeah, he was a good friend, you know. I, <laughs> there was a few things he got wrong, but we can save that for another show. <laughs> right. So you're, the, the point being is, you know, sometimes we'll have uh, uh, groups come and say, we want to give you some pilot money to do this project in, let's say, in healthcare or something. And we're like, yeah, we're piloted out. <laughs> because... We don't need to prove this concept anymore. We need to do it. We don't need we need to put something into place that we can scale. We don't need to prove the concept anymore. We've proved it once again in a in a in a pilot I will say in um in Battle Creek which has been a guest on our show, Dr. Chang who who has it leads to Grace Health and that's a, a project by our own Dr. Dawn uh, Opal who developed this concept and led it and it's been fabulous in fact they're going to publish a article in one of the medical journals about the results of this of this pilot about how food impacts health so i food is powerful for lots of different reasons and you just gave us four which are economic impact stability empowerment and health thank you jerry for sharing the household impact model with us Jerry is going to be back with me in just a second, and we're going to be back with you, so stay tuned. Food first, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with Jerry Brisson, and we're talking about the power of this work of food banks and the work that uh, happens across this state every day. Seven Feeding America food banks that's, that help feed everyone who's in need of food in all 83 of Michigan's counties happens virtually every day. 
So pretty, pretty proud of that, to be honest with you. I, I feel like it is a noble mission that we are investing our lives in. And one of the reasons is because food is powerful, and you've talked about that, Jerry, in the last segment um, eloquently, I might add. Uh, there's another reason, and this is kind of the other side of the coin. It's the people who get the food. And I think oftentimes um, people look at food banks and they see us as a, uh, a, a very noble charity. And the truth of the matter is we are. <laughs> um, I just met a lady recently, and uh, when I met her, um, her name is Trisha. She said, I love the food banks. And she's a retired CPA and said, one of the reasons I love the food banks is because you manage your money so well. And I can't remember the exact percentage of the administrative rate for food banks, but it's it's so low, it's unbelievable. Right. You the, I would say food banks in general run between 90 and 97 cents of every dollar goes to the food and the programs that we run. And the remaining between, you know, three and, and 10 cents goes to fundraising and administrative costs. And, you know, it, there is a range, right? Because, right. It, you know, depending on what year and what and what you're doing exactly, but the range is never worse than 90 cents on the dollar ever, yeah, ever. Ever and and that's that's amazing. But I have seen it as low as three. Right, ninety-seven yeah. cents going to food and programs, and only three cents to fundraising and administration. So so we're a we're um we are a a good investment, and there are other uh, parts of this American society that realize that, like healthcare, and how our are we discovering our food banks and we think they are one of the best partners to address chronic disease within the healthcare system. But that puts us in a different space other than a charity. We we're more of a business partner in that. And so seeing people we're always going to be a charity and but we're also a good investment from the charitable side and from the business partnership side. But what I really want you to talk about here is what a great investment the work is in the families that we serve. Yeah, so, you know, I think I started in this work uh, very similar to most people, thinking about uh, this kind of service is just about doing good, right? You're, you're just doing good and, and coming at it from that perspective, which is very charitable and, and altruistic, right? Doing good is its own reward. Right. Uh, better to give than to receive. I know you've heard these things before and they, and they are true. They are true. But they're not necessarily how you're going to solve complex problems. Right. They are good. They are solid. They need to be done. But if you're going to solve complex problems, you got to get to the next level. And the next level honestly starts with by making investments in people. Do those investments result in positive change? Right. That's the fundamental question you have to be able to answer when you're looking at systems. Did we get enough change or some change for the investment that we made in in time and money in the people we're, we're, we're serving? And my experience overall has been a phenomenal. Absolutely. It's an investment that that creates change in people's lives, that reduces stress, that increases the likelihood of all kinds of different successes. And some of that's been proven through research and some of it hasn't. But but the other thing that I've realized even more deeply is this. If you view people as a problem to solve, 
your investment is both not enough and not correct. You have to view people as giving to the solution, as contributing to the solution in addition to you know, helping them with specific issues in their life, right? And so we begin to see people differently. We begin to tell the story differently when we understand that that everybody we work with has a place in the solution and are already contributing to solving the problems in their life. And so when we walk alongside of them, we do it without judgment. You're not a problem to be solved. Do you, I mean, in your own life, when people approach you as a problem to be solved, how does it make you feel and behave? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a happy guy. Not good. <laughs> not good, right? And so if we think of whole sections of society as problems to be solved, we have missed the most important truth. And that is the investment of the people that we serve, that they make to the solution, is the biggest and most important investment of all. And we are just coming alongside people and contributing a little bit more to the investment they are already making. And when that becomes the way you see the world and and you acknowledge the truth of it, this isn't about, this isn't mental gymnastics. This is a fact and a truth of life that the people who you're working with are contributing more to the solution than anybody else. And that's why we admire them. It's not a Pollyanna view of the world that's just all, you know, rainbows and light. It is something you have to come to in order to really believe that we can have a hunger-free community because everybody is invested in the solution. Donors, politicians, food banks, and the people we serve. We are all together the solution. I, I really like that. And by the way, it's rainbows, unicorns, and skittles. All right, there we go. <laughs> so just want to clarify that imagery for you. Well, the work of creating a food-secure Michigan is an investment in Michigan's families and the state's future. That's, that's as eloquently or as succinctly as I can say it. Because it, it, isn't, it is about charity, but it's not just about charity. And by the way... Charity is really more about the giver than the people who benefit from the gift. Right. That's right. So it's about what, I, what I'm doing with what I've been entrusted with, which, you know, goes to Dr. Phil's philosophy of money, which is not everything that comes to me is for me. Some things are meant to go through me in order to, to, to help other people in the community, and in this case, the state and the nation itself. So the return on investment of investing in children, families, and seniors is high, but it's also practical because in about 10 years, the people who are third graders right now today are going to be the workforce that small businesses and and factories and here certainly the big three are going to be trying to hire. And if they're not well fed, this is what I mean by practical, they'll never be well read. So we can have the greatest reading you know, programs and and everything like that. But if they're hungry, it doesn't matter, which is why I'm happy Michigan has made the investment to ensure that kids have access to both breakfast and lunch. And I think we're, you know, certainly in the top eight states out of 50 who've done that. And I think that's a significant thing. Now, we can talk about the effectiveness of the program later on, but 
the investment is the right investment. Well, and I think it's reasonable for people to ask, how do you know? I think it's a reasonable question. We should be able to answer the question, how do we know that what we say is a good thing is actually a good thing? And so that household impact model that you that we talked about in the last segment is the construct that we use to know when you provide the economic benefit that that results in stability, health and empowerment for households, it makes a difference in people's lives. And and we can we can talk about the cost benefit, we can talk about the actual changes people have had because of it. It's okay to say show me. And and the more we say show me, it reasonably now, we can't be unreasonable. We got to be willing to listen, but the better we're going to be. Right? All of these things are true. They're investments worth making. But show me. Let's see it. I'm, I'm with you. So I'm, here's what I would simply say. We've got to get out of this segment. Here's what I would say to show me. All right. You don't want to just see data. You need to experience. So let's go with that. Let's me and you make a commitment to fast for the next three days and see how well we function at work. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think if I made that commitment to you and my staff found out about it, they wouldn't let me come to work. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably not. But the point being, for those who want to know, well, how do you know? Well, let's let's do a practical experiment. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Let's that's skip right. some meals together, three and a half meals that, that food insecure people miss every week, and they don't average, they bunch. So let's bunch them up, and let's see how you and how effective you and I are. Yeah. Right. That, that would be my smart aleck reply to that serious question. Yeah. Other than data, let's let's do a practical experiment. Jerry Basson, Dr. Phil Knight, we're back with you. Come back and be with us. Thanks. Welcome back everyone. Last segment for this show, Jerry. So, you know, why is this work important? Why is the mission so noble? And thank you for sharing so much from your rich experience in this work so i i want to i want to layer in one more dimension to this conversation and it really has to do with the growth of the work itself um we know that when we are there in a time of crisis for the community there's a lot of awareness about what a difference it has made because so many people see hunger that don't see hunger every day. You know, if you have a hungry neighbor, the odds are that neighbor's not going to tell you that they're struggling, right? Or they may say a little bit about it, but, you know, most people aren't going to say, I don't know how to feed my family. It's just true, right? And so for a lot of reasons, hunger is invisible until there's a crisis. Mm. Then during a crisis, people become deeply aware of the uh, of hunger in their in their own community that I'm talking about local right right, right. next door or within your school district and people go oh this isn't right you know and 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 there's a lot of attention and there's a lot of funding available and food available during those times of crisis and it makes sense that as people see it in front of them they they decide now is the time to do something about it so so in spite of the the cyclical nature then of how this work is funded and and why the reason we're working on the household impact model and these cost-benefit uh, pieces and, and being very public about how we see this problem today is because it's important to maintain a certain awareness 
of the truth of hunger in our community in order to solve this problem. It can't only be visible during a crisis. We have to know where hunger is and we have to learn the people that are struggling. And we've got to understand the impact we can make in our community by keeping and making food first. And that is what we started the show for and we are still working on today. I think it's significantly better. Food banks are doing more now, not just because the work is powerful, but because you, people like you who are listening right now, are more involved than you've ever been in consistently supporting what has to be done to create a food secure community. All of it has to come together. And when it does, we can make a huge difference. Well, Jerry, thanks for that, and it's time for a little food for thought. Here's the Food Bank Council by the numbers. There's one Food Bank Council, seven Feeding America food banks that serve all of Michigan's 83 counties through a network of almost 3,000 different pantries. The most food we've ever distributed in one year is somewhere around 235 million pounds of food. Most of this, over half of this, is fresh. But we are faced with a food insecurity rate in Michigan that is somewhere between 11 and 12 percent. That includes 350,000 seniors and about 400,000 children who live under the toxic stress of not knowing where their next meal is coming from. So we have three primary objectives. We want to be a great trade association that gets resources for our network, food and funds. We want to innovate. What's next? What's the cutting edge of this work? And how can we solve this problem? And thirdly, we want to see policy change that creates systems change by convening and all the anti-hunger groups across Michigan to help impact both policy and programs. So our first and foremost priority is to take hunger off the table and replace it with the access to healthy food. To do that, Michigan will need to put and keep food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state.